It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain La-da-da-da-dee La-da-da-da-da Charleston was once the rage of
Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, 5 o'clock, a little afterward on a Wednesday, and that means it's perfect time for a cup of joe. <coughs> this is a show that is brought to you by Joe, and uh, hopefully it's a good one. It seems to be a good one more often than not, and um, sometimes pause for a moment as we're starting the show, because as you may have gathered, I do very little show prep. I usually put a couple of notes out on the table, and if I've got some guests, uh, we have them lined up, and I like this show to be organic. I like this show to be um, wholesome. I like this show to be what it should be. I'm not big on scripts, um, as anybody who knows me. Uh, I've written speeches, I've had speeches written, I have um, uh, worked with people in the past that thought this radio show would be best if scripted, and uh, needless to say, those people are no longer with us, and the show goes on, and what I found is that we live in a world that is struggling to communicate. Um, I look around and I see people staring at their little boxes, their little things, and then they look like this all day long. And they speak in, in emojis and they speak, speak in um, very short sentences and incomplete, incomplete thoughts and... Uh, when you try to talk to them on the phone, they'd rather you text them. And I found that I'm a pretty good communicator. And I'm not saying that I'm a great communicator. I'm just, I'm, I, I, I spend a lot of my time communicating. <laughs> Everything that I've done of value in my life, I think, has had communication in its, um, in its formula as a father, as a husband, as a business owner, as an advocate. Um, all of those things required communication and in, in business that I do now. If I don't communicate clearly, the person or people on the other side of this will not understand what's going on in my head. And if they're not understanding what's going on in my head, then there's not much of a point of attempting to communicate. A combination of, of communication and integrity, I think, is lacking in the world. I've noticed that uh, people over-promise and underperform, rather than the other way around. And I've, you know, in being self-employed for most of my life, <coughs> I rely upon the word of others, and others rely upon my word. <coughs> and I've found that... Um, more and more, it seems, people will say yes, but what they mean is no. Or they'll say yes, but what they mean is I think so, or I will try, or something else. The world of my word is my bond seems to be gone. And that, of course, translates into our effort to end prohibition, as we have made lots of pledges. Uh, my organization, the Human Solution International, has made pledges <laughs> that we couldn't back up because members that 
back those pledges up didn't do what they said. Um, I've worked with countless other organizations, and most of them didn't come through the way they said in anything, anything that they said they were going to do. A lot of talk gets done in this in this arena. People make a lot of promises, they say a lot of things, but when it comes down to the action column, it's often lacking. It's typically lacking. I'm going to go ahead and uh, share this thing here. And um, first of all, you're listening to a Cup of Joe radio show, and it is being podcast on Blog Talk Radio Network. And I'm struggling with my voice right now, and I'm trying to find the right pitch or the right, uh, I don't know, <clears throat> volume that will allow it to remain. I spent a lot of time last weekend talking at an event, and I never really learned how to use my voice right. I never learned, even if I had a good voice to sing, I would only be able to perform once a month because it takes a month to recuperate and, you know, one day to, to wreck it for some reason. So one day maybe I'll learn how to speak appropriately and protect my uh, protect my voice. Anyways, that being said, I know that there's hopefully a pitch that I can hit <clears throat> that will not be obnoxious and that you guys can hear and understand. If you want to listen to this show, you can click on the link that has been shared around yesterday on Blog Talk Radio Network. If you click on that link, you'll get a um, an audio feed. You can also call 646-929-2495. Now, if you choose to call, you will be taking the most powerful route because you will be able to speak, first of all, with our amazing screener, non-compliant Mary. Yay! And she will ask you some questions <laughs> about your intent. And uh, if you have something to say, she'll give you an opportunity. Um, <clears throat> if you uh, want to, you can follow the live feed, and the live feed is uh, shared around on Facebook. And if you're seeing this live feed, I'm going to ask to please share it. One of the reasons that this show is important, one of the many reasons, is that it gives a voice to people who may not otherwise have one. It gives an advocate a reach. You know, on Facebook, you look at these things and it says, your reach. Well, there's mostly it's a bunch of crap, but the truth is, in this arena, the more people we reach, the more likely one of them is going to perform, going to do something. And by something... We're going to talk about that a little bit, but it starts out with just caring. Just caring enough to maybe want to help protect another person's individual human rights. Uh, caring enough to maybe want to um, help in prohibition. I don't know, a little thing like that. Let's end cannabis prohibition. When I say that in public, most people um, adamantly agree, yes, let's end prohibition. But in practical application, most people just want to pass a law that lets some people do something because they think that's all that can be done. And so that's what we get. That's what we've gotten. That's what we have. And I'd like to break out of that. I'd like to get past all that. I'd like to get to a world where no one gets locked up for this plant anymore. 
I mean, why can't we get to that place? You know, people think, oh, they're not busting people anymore. Well, you don't answer my phone, I can assure you. Because if you did, you would realize that, yes, people are still getting busted. Uh, we're going to talk about some of these cases and some of these calls and what can and might and should be done about it and what will and probably won't and is likely not to be done about it. <coughs> I'm going to heavily encourage you all to come join the show today because, as I said, I do not know how many words I have in my voice. I've got a lovely cup of hot lemonade here, and uh, it will hopefully restore my voice. So, I thank my beautiful wife, and I'm going to bring up Glenn Keeling to start. I'm going to try to recover my voice a bit. Glenn Keeling is a superstar. Why is Glenn a superstar? Because he stood up, him and his wife, battling physical ailments, battling excruciating pain and suffering. They were charged with a crime that should never have been a crime. And whether or not they were following their state law, I don't, frankly don't give a damn. Okay? Turns out it looks like they were, but it doesn't matter. These laws are all terrible. And if the law allows you to do this and you are doing that, so what? What's the real difference? I want to know. Nobody yet has come on my show and explained to me my 13 plants is wrong and 12 plants is okay. You can't do it because it can't be done. Nobody's gotten ever on my show and explained to me why you can have an ounce of oil but not two ounces. Nobody's done that, okay, because you can't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, folks. It's a plant, and anything you make from this plant is still this plant, and this plant has still never killed anybody once, and there is not one single FDA-approved substance that can make that claim, not one. So I don't want to hear about your got to regulate it because it needs to be packaged right. I don't want to hear about your pesticide control. I don't want to hear about any of that stuff because the cannabis plant, with all of its flaws and potential problems, has never killed anybody, not once. And every single FDA-approved substance has an LD50, which is a lethal dose in which 50% of the people will die from, up into and including aspirin, water, and every other known pharmaceutical drug out there, okay? So why don't we get this in our head when we're busy regulating? What is your basis for these regulations? That's what I want to know. Not one person, an elected official, an advocate, a proponent, an opponent, not one person has ever agreed to or come on this show and explained to me why those things I just said are not accurate 100%. And I welcome you to try. All right, anyways, Glenn Keeling was charged with crimes. He was charged with crimes related to possessing cannabis. And these crimes, as we all know, are not crimes. They're statutory problems that local and state municipalities have. And they like to inflict those problems on good people. And when that happens, Good people get attacked, and they lose their freedoms, and they lose their ability to medicate, potentially necessary medication, and they lose their ability to make a living sometimes, and they lose their freedom, and they lose their property, and they lose their children, and they lose their jobs, and they lose their homes, and they lose all of these things sometimes. And most of the time, the threat of losing these things is so great 
that the people bow down and they take the deal and they do anything they can to not lose this. But every once in a while, one of us gets pissed off about that. Every once in a while, one of us becomes righteously indignant and says, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not right. They're charging me with these crimes. And I don't care if you're following your state law or not. If you were, it makes it easier to get support. Trust me, way easier. But frankly, again, these are bad laws that are at stake. Sorry, I knocked my microphone down. Hopefully you guys have been hearing this. Anyways, Glenn stood up. Glenn and his wife, Peggy, stood up and they said, you know what, we're not criminals. We didn't do anything wrong and we don't deserve to be charged with crimes and we don't deserve to be uh, tried and we don't deserve to be convicted. And they somehow mustered up the funds to get Glenn out on bail, and they stood tall, and eventually the government recognized their error, and they got their case dismissed. One of them, I think it's Glenn, had his case dismissed without prejudice, and that means that they can refile. What that means is that they think, well, if we just figure out this one little element, we may still have a case, and we may still decide to piss away a whole bunch of tax dollars in trying to uh, imprison somebody for a nonviolent offense. Um, But either way, today they both remain free, and Glenn, through all of this, while his wife was suffering greatly as a result of MS and complications and the inability to use cannabis medicine during this, uh, Glenn stood up and he said, you know what? I want to move forward. I want to start a chapter. I want to educate people. I want to be a beacon. And he created a chapter of the human solution that we call the Creative Care Beacon. And um, he represents what the human solution is all about. We are people that are banded together. We're here to educate and to support each other. And we're going to talk more about that as time goes by. But for now, we're going to bring up Glenn, and he's going to tell us about what's going on right now. Glenn, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Wow, thank you, Joe. That that was a tremendous um, introduction. Um, <laughs> you deserve every bit of it. You know it. I thank you. Uh, it, it's it's rough. It was really rough for the five months that we went through this. You know, watching. Uh, Peggy get worse and worse, you know. Um, it just, her health is my, you know, I married her for better or worse, you know, to protect her and everything. And I felt, you know, watching her go through this, it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. But again, on the same side of that, it, it's not right and it's not fair for what they were doing to us. You know, we're, we're not criminals. Um, people that use cannabis for medicine, um, and, and that should be everybody. Everybody should be using cannabis for medicine. It, it just comes down to it's a better choice than pharmaceuticals. Either way it goes, and it doesn't matter what you're you're ailing from, and it doesn't matter what your sickness is. Cannabis can help either way it goes. It's way better than the pharmaceutical. But watching her go through this on a day-to-day basis was really hard, and it, it got... <clears throat> 
it got rough, but we were we stood our ground and it's education. Um we are starting a program here. Uh Peter and Helen Yaple are gonna come from New York and give us a hand with our first class, but we're going to um start doing a re education on cannabis starting with Wright State University here in Ohio. Um and we're it was the one first college that agreed to allowing us into their doors to give some kind of seminar on cannabis itself on the topic. <coughs> and we're hoping that, you know, more schools will follow suit and more schools will start getting onto this and then we can get more re-education out there. And that's what it is. It's just a re-education because we were educated at one time or another. If we weren't, there wouldn't be people like Joe and myself and Peter that that can do this on a day-to-day basis without having to open a book. So it's just a re-education. We want to re-educate, you know, doctors and lawyers and states that has legalized it in one form or another. There is there is still an ignorance to the law, you know, and it's people that are supposed to be upholding the law, the ones that are supposed to be, you know, the the badge and shield and the people standing in court, our officers in court and all this, if they're going to enforce laws and, and to to put laws to to pen and paper, they need to understand what the hell they're doing to begin with. And there's not there's cases everywhere. Everywhere is it's been legalized. There there has been cases and they're still going even California that is one of the most diverse states with cannabis. There's still people there going through some kind of goddamn court case, whether it's for growing one plant over, it's for having an eighth over, or having a couple grams of, you know, it's a plant. It should not happen. But even though it does, we've got to educate ourselves and know what we're doing to stand up for our rights. And and we're not going to do that uneducated. So we're going to offer re-education classes, and it's going to go for anybody can come, sit down and listen. You know, if you like what we you hear, there's a little bucket up front. Put you a couple bucks in it. It'll go to a good cause. Um, we're just re-educate and stand up for yourself. That's all I can say, and it cannot be said enough, you know, because it's not going to come down to a – rescheduling or declassification, they're just not going to do it. They, they, as ridiculous as it seems and, as, and it sounds, they're just not going to take their hands off it until they're ready to. And it doesn't matter how many petitions we put out there or how many letters we send to them, they're just not going to do it until they're ready to do it. Um, and it's sad to say it. I wish it was a different way. It's just not going to happen. Uh, legalization is is where it stands with states, and we just got to keep pushing forward for the states that don't have anything. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, and um, education is the key. We've talked about this so many times in so many ways, and for those of you who don't understand why cannabis is illegal, why cannabis is prohibited, why there is a war on cannabis. It is not because it's a dangerous substance. It's because it was a threat to a number of large companies back in the 30s. 
and those companies yep. had influence over the media and the messaging and the government, and they were able to influence so much so that they were able to create a campaign of lies and, and, and deception and cover-ups and fear, and uh, they preyed upon uh, America's racist fears, <laughs> so much so that 80 years later, there are still generations of people that believe this web of lies that was cast and the reefer madness that was laid out in front of us as though it was the truth. And the only answer, the only way that this is going to be resolved is if we understand the truth about this plant. And that's why I had that tirade earlier. I have yet one person ever to come and accept my challenge, not one time. And I will talk about this plant with anybody who thinks that they can take apart my claims I will talk about it from a molecular level. I'll talk about it from a botanical level. I'll talk about it from a compounding level. I'll talk about it from a statistical level. You can't beat me in this, folks. And uh, unfortunately, people will listen to uh, influentials. People will listen to people that have good marketing skills. People will listen to uh, the written or listen, read the written word as though it is truth, regardless of what it says. And right. you know, that's what we're up against. Right. It, 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 it's a horrible fight, and you're right. It, it's, it's, we've got to re-education, because that, that is the only key to winning this war on, that we're fighting against. And it's an uphill battle. And the more people that are educated in it, the more people that can stand together and, and say that this is not right. And and that's just what it's got to be. How come? How come this is not right? Well, you have more of a voice than I do. One of the topics I wanted to get to was the How Come uh, project. And maybe you can bring us up to speed with that project. Why don't you introduce it again? There's always new listeners. And every time that uh, we do the show, um, I always get, new faces that pop in and new questions that are asked. And so I, I'd like to, with your strength of your voice, uh, why don't you go ahead and explain the How Come uh, campaign as best as you can, and I'll, I'll add to it as needed. Um, the How Come movement is, is how come the plan is still the way it is. I mean, either way you look at it, you can add your story to it because everybody has a How Come story. And it's How Come... It's hashtag how come, and it takes it to a whole new area, and you can go in there and read everybody's story on it. And it's a movement that we're moving to. We're trying to get billboards put up. We're trying to challenge uh, dispensary owners to come forward also because, it, you know, it, a lot of dispensary owners are, is where the money's at. And let's be honest. They, I mean, dispensaries make quite a bit of money. And we're going to put up billboards with hashtag how come, uh, the government can claim that there's no medical value to it, but still own 18 different patents for medical marijuana. Uh, how come uh, the little girl down the street can't use cannabis for medicine, but they'll give her Adderall for her ADHD? It's a how come. Everybody has a how come. 
it, and it's a big support. It's a movement that we're trying to get draw more attention to the reason why the plan has been uh, so persecuted against for the last 80 years. You're absolutely right. And um, one of the most recent developments that have come from the How Come campaign is, um, you know, Tracy Glore was on the show last week and, and was talking about her son Lance, who is currently languishing behind bars in federal custody. And, um, you know, she called in... <coughs> She called in uh, last week and, and said that uh, Lance was willing and able to uh, get engaged again. And um, we talked the next day after the show, and we agreed we were going to create a template uh, for people to write letters. And um, I'm sure we're pretty close to having that done. And then... We had further discussion, and we talked about just what you were saying. How come the dispensary owners and the cannabis businesses that are licensed aren't helping? And um, and if they are, why don't they come on and explain how they are? I have right. had a tremendous amount of experience recently working with people and talking to people that are trying to get licenses in California. And um, here's Craig Cecil. Let's bring him up. Right, right on. The... Billboard 
that is going to um, feature Lance Glore on the billboard. And the next one I'm going to propose features your name on it. Um, how come we have money to uh, keep Craig Cecil locked up when he never hurt anybody, and yet we still have all kinds of rape kits that have never been opened up. We still have bridges that are ready to fall down. We still have so many better ways to spend our money, and yet we don't. So that's what's going on right now. As you know, with law enforcement, I definitely think they ought to completely switch gears into looking at violent crime and not, you know, so many of the silly crimes that they, you know, is marijuana conspiracies <laughs> that, you know, they they twist into all kinds of things that they're they're really not. Well, I, I think that, you know, that makes just so much sense. It must be like a <clears throat> kryptonite to these guys. I think that um, the more something makes sense in a basic level, for whatever reason, the, the convoluted nature of government and law enforcement, it seems to, to reel back from it. I don't, I don't know. But we're going to try to make it plain and simple. We're going to try to get a message out that has a way for people to take action and we're going to try to light that fire. Well, one thing I know I've read about is there's a bunch of actual businesses now formed that are taking in, um, they're actually, I believe, uh, you can buy stock in them. Oh, yeah. And their whole goal is just to fund uh, marijuana operations and marijuana retail and things of that nature. Absolutely. And Green stocks. Yeah, I would think there would be a, you know, a well to go to there that they'd like to, you know, show that they're actually doing, you know, some, you know, some philanthropy for, you know, the industry and for the country. Well, you would think that, now wouldn't you? I, I have put out a, an invitation, if you will. I don't want to call it a challenge because I don't want to seem adversarial, but I do open up an invitation for any business owner any participant in a in a so-called legal or licensed cannabis business to come on this show and either explain to me what you're doing to help end prohibition or to find out from me what you can do to end prohibition or to tell me why you won't. And I'll have a civil, um, articulate conversation with these people. Um, but so far, not one of them has, has even suggested that they might come on. Maybe I'm not doing a good enough job of asking. <laughs> You're not a pushy enough salesman, huh? <laughs> apparently, apparently not. Apparently not. So I'm going to um, ask that the pushier of us maybe get out there and be a little more pushy because I sure would love to get one of these people on my show to, tell, to answer those questions. I think they'd be available and... and it's one of those things, too, where I think once you get one, you know, it'll open the floodgates. I, I believe that. Well, that is my hope. That is entirely my hope, is that that's why the human solution threw down the first, the first one. I'm also challenging or inviting all the other activist organizations. You know, the human solution is a non-funded organization. We're all volunteer-driven, and whatever money we get, it comes from donations. So the donation that was put out to fund this first billboard was certainly an act of love by whomever did it, 
the hope is that we'll get another one to do it and another one and another one. And hopefully some of these um, activist organizations that are busy raising money and promising to do things, maybe they will see that, you know, if the poor guy can do it, maybe the less poor guy can do it even better. I would think so. I would think so. Maybe I'll even write up a plea you could put up there for, you know, to point out before the American public and adult, you know, the American public can't ignore. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Tracy Gore was supposed to get a hold of you and ask for you to, to write something up. Um, and it, it's about what it is like when you get a visit. And we want to do a story about, um, you know, about incarceration and isolation and the, the price that these people and families pay. And we wanted to um, get your words to sort of, uh, I don't know, paint the picture of what a visit is all about to you. Yeah, that, that's quite an experience that, at least in my lifetime, nothing compared to. <laughs> and my sentencing was in a little town in northern Georgia with a judge with a, you know, I guess I'd call it like a Green Acres-like accent from that area. Wow. And, uh, and his words were that I was sentenced to a term of natural life. Wow. Five years supervised release. And, uh, and he was just so nonchalant about that. And I'll be honest, at the time, I thought, you know, this has got to guarantee that the Court of Appeals would step in. You know, <laughs> things I thought it went wrong so far, you know. Yeah. Guarantees the Court of Appeals would be all over it. And, oh, boy, I was even more surprised later. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, I, in a lot of ways, I wish I could say, you know, you were the only one, but unfortunately, there's been so many um, outside of your case, but your case was always one of the more egregious ones in my eyes. Um, I mean, even if I was against pot, your case had so little to do with pot, and yet it was, um, you know, all hung on your on your neck, so to speak. Um, you know, there was a ruling, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. I don't know all the details, but in the appeal for Noah Kleinman, apparently the appellate court did make a ruling about um, about putting aside cases, even that were at the appellate level, where the defendant was following state law. And Charles Lynch was one of these guys that was <clears throat> able to prove he had a license from his from his city that he was operating in, and he was following even way back when um, the laws of his city and the state, uh, pretty much as far as we could determine to the letter. And it, uh, Charles had put a post up today that leads me to believe that he may finally be out from under his case after 11 years. Um, being stuck in the appeal in the appeal. Well, as you know, uh, there is what they call oh, it's named after one of your California congressmen, the Bora or whatever amendment. I forget the name of the Dana. Yeah, it, the Dana Rohrbacher amendment. Yeah, that's him. The amendment bears his name. 
to the uh, budget. Right. And the budget says that they cannot use federal tax dollars to prosecute people that are legal under state law. Exactly. And there's very few courts that have enforced that, finding that they just can't do it or, you know, they just don't feel like it. But uh, but a few courts have, and, that, and that's what worked to his advantage. And uh, there's been more and more uh, cases that are getting disposed of under that. So hopefully that'll gain even more momentum and kill a lot of these cases before they, you know, people end up serving decades in prison. Well, that that's what we were hoping was going to happen uh, with Lance Glore, but they have not given him an evidentiary hearing so that he could prove that he was following state law. So, you know, it's one of these uh, catch-22s. In Charles Lynch's case, he was able to somehow either bring that into court or somehow the court has recognized uh, the validity of the licensing that he had. Uh, Whereas with um, Lance, the court's not recognizing any of it. They're, they're saying you don't get to introduce anything. So you know how it is. The court picks and chooses uh, what they let happen and what they don't let happen. And when they set their uh, uh, their sights oh, on right. oppressing you. Go ahead. Well, in Lance's case, they said that, you know, you can't get that relief because you can't prove you're entitled to it. And on the other hand, they said we're not going to let you have a hearing so you can Make that case. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, their their double speak was, was insane. Exactly. That's that's entirely the point. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I, I'm always going to look at our victories, but I'm not going to forget where we don't have them. And I think that that's one of the big issues that I'm trying to raise, is that all these people, I've been dealing with the cannabis world for 35 years now, and most of it has been completely underground <clears throat> without any protection of any law. And it wasn't until I thought I was acting with the protection of California law that I got arrested for the first time at age 40. And I never had seen the inside of a courtroom or a jail or had shackles put on me until I was following my state's law. And that's one of the things that has always stuck in my craw. And I see these people now that are new newcomers to the game, people that are five years into it or ten years or two years or six months, and they got a license to operate, and they're operating with impunity, even though they're still 100% violating federal law, and if the government decided they could still stomp the shit out of them. But these people don't seem to recognize where they came from and whose shoulders they're standing on. And that's what I'm trying to to, to overcome a little bit. I agree. One thing I want to bring up before I run out of time here is uh, last week we talked about how important letters are for prisoners. And I just can't impress on you how, you know, just how important and how valuable those are to a prisoner, how much they make a prisoner's day. But one thing I wanted to mention, and you and I haven't talked about it for years, but we did a few years ago, is that people do have to be a, be a bit wary when you do write a prisoner. <laughs> yes. that, that, that is my concern because, unfortunately, um, there's a bunch of people in federal prison that are criminals. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, and 
There's a bunch of them there to do anything to get somebody better, and they'll find a way to try to bilk some money from that person. And they, you know, that that's their, that's just how, what they live for and how they live. So I just want, you know, people that write to prisoners, I want you to write, but if they ask for money, just, just go away. Just leave them alone. Just, you know, know they're the wrong one, you know. You know, don't allow them to abuse you. Don't allow them to guilt trip you. Allow them to do anything of the sort. They're they're just wrong. Leave them the leave them to be wrong. Okay. Yeah, that's some good advice. I know several people that have fallen prey to this, and as you said, there are people in prison that do belong there. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, too many of them. There's probably about a third of them that have spent most of their life in prison, and that's just what they do, you know. They get out of prison, they're only out a matter of months, and they're back. And there it goes, Craig Cecil once again. Um, He gets 15 minutes to talk to us, and when 15 minutes is up, that's it, he's done. And he risks his rights as a prisoner, whatever that might mean, every time he makes this phone call because one of the rules of inmate conversations is that you're not supposed to be on a third-party call. And when you're talking to uh, one phone, if you're talking to one phone number that uh, is in some way connected to a whole bunch of people, they would consider that to be a third-party call. And so Craig has every single week put himself in jeopardy and made that call, and it's always the very last thing you can do before they shut the phones off. So the timing of this is important. Um, If he misses the call, he usually gets one more opportunity to call back, and then that's it. So um, at 9 o'clock Indiana time, um, that's it. They They shut the phones off. All right, let's continue Sally Forth over the Muddy River. Um, As I said before, my voice is hanging on by a thread. I have non-compliant Mary who's going to come up and say a few words. i got an hour and 14 minutes of show left. I'm going to talk until you can't hear me anymore, but if I stop being able to talk, I'll have to cut the show loose. Um... If you're wanting to participate, and I'm obviously asking you to participate at this time, all you got to do is call 646-929-2495 and tell our amazing screener, non-compliant Mary, I've got something to say, and you will get the opportunity. All right, so non-compliant Mary has something to say. Let's see what that is. Non-compliant Mary, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Glad to be here. I wanted to share a little thing that I figured out that works and then read something and then talk about that. Uh, I'm just here to save your voice, Joe, and I just, you know, have things to say anyway, so it works really really well. Um, I found out that when you're trimming and then you get all that sticky uh, resin on your fingers, if you just put a little bit of vegetable oil, any kind of vegetable oil on it, it breaks it up in just a, a really, really quick, and then you just wash your hands with soap. It took me a long time to figure this out. Maybe everybody else knows it, but I didn't. So if you don't, there you go. That's one thing. <laughs> All right. That's excellent. And then this other, um, 
it's a cute little thing that Robert Fulgham, who wrote everything I ever needed to know I learned from kindergarten or learned in kindergarten fame. This is the guy. And he wrote this, and I think it really applies to what's going on today, and it's fun. So it goes like this. It says, Giants, Wizards, and Dwarfs was the game to play. Being left in charge of about 80 children, 7 to 10 years old, while their parents were off doing parenty things, I mustered my troops in the parish hall and explained the game. It's a large-scale version of rock, paper, and scissors and involves some intellectual decision-making, but the real purpose of the game is to make a lot of noise and run around chasing people until nobody knows which side you're on or who won. Organizing a room full of grade schoolers into two teams, explaining the rudiments of the game, achieving consensus on group identity, all this was no mean accomplishment, but we did it with a great with a right goodwill, and we're ready to go. The excitement of the chase had reached a critical mass. I yelled out, you have to decide now which you are, giant, wizard, or dwarf. While the groups huddled in frenzied, whispered consultation, a tug came at my pant leg. A small child stands there, looking up, and asks in a small, concerned voice, where do the mermaids stand? A long pause, a very long pause. Where do the mermaids stand, I say? Yes, you see, I am a mermaid. There are not such things as mermaids. Oh, yes, there are. I am one. She did not relate to being a giant, a wizard, or a dwarf. She knew her category, mermaid, and was not about to leave the game and go over and stand against the wall where the losers would stand. She intended to participate wherever mermaids fit into the scheme of things without giving up dignity or identity. She took it for granted that there was a place for mermaids and that I would know just where. Well, where do mermaids stand? All the mermaids? All those who are different. All those who are not, do not fit the norm and who do not accept the available boxes and pigeonholes? Answer that question, and you could build a school, a nation, or a kingdom on it. That's what he wrote. Now we can add on. We know who the mermaids are. They're all the people that are interested in truth at a time that truth is considered treason. It's a time when people say, I want real medicine. I don't want some toxic chemical that's going to give me cancer because you make money on it and it relieves my symptoms for a little bit. I want to heal. I want to be whole. I want to enjoy this planet. I want to breathe and run and laugh and play. These are the things that mermaids do. I am a mermaid, and I am part of the solution, the human solution. That's what I have to say. That was amazing. And if anybody knows Mary as I know her, and I haven't known her for a long time, but she lives a way, and she expresses herself in a way that lets you know her easily, and I believe truthfully. And Mary lives in a magical place, <laughs> a place where mermaids would be happy and easy to, uh, to exist. We've talked about um, all the incarcerations, and, you know, we're, our primary objective here is to end prohibition. I get that. But it's the uh, private for-profit prison industry doesn't just limit itself to cannabis patients. They're after anybody. I and my husband were actually arrested on a federal level back in 2007. Uh, we were arrested. It took two years to find out why. Um, in that two-year period, I found out that I put a large deposit into my business account 
I refinanced my house. It wasn't a big deal. The business was really a place for my husband to live his dream. It didn't have to make money. That was irrelevant. I wanted him to live his dream. And what it turned out is he actually healed during that period of time. So although it may be a little bit crazy, it did work. So I was arrested because he didn't die. The government felt that that large deposit meant that I was laundering money. I just have really good credit and refinanced my house. But they didn't know that. They didn't ask. It took two years for them to come up with that question. And then the other thing is they said that we lived an unusual, uh, an unusual life, and it's true. They followed us. We didn't know. We were being followed all this time. We play and love and share, and we do Christmas every single day. And so they felt that there was more going on there and they felt that I had lied about my husband's medical condition. He was an end-stage liver failure. He'd gone from being skinny to being 10 months pregnant overnight. He'd lost two-thirds of his blood supply in front of me. When you do that, the smell is its really odd. It's a metallic smell in the air, and his eyes couldn't go in the front anymore. Just They roll back because there's not enough blood pressure. So he went through all these things, and yet the government, in their, in their wisdom, felt that I must have made it up because he was still alive. They said he should have died. Therefore, I had committed fraud. And so they arrested both of us. I had just got out of kidney surgery and was bandaged up in a little tiny nightie. And there I stood in federal court, bare feet, with a nightie that you'd only wear at home with nobody looking, but it's so comfortable, and wondering how in the world this all happened. So um, I forget where I – I knew the reason why I was saying that. But anyway, uh, they, they, they do all sorts of crazy things. I forget my point, but that's, that's kind of fun, too, that they, you know, they just, I don't know, lost my train there, but. That's all right. You, you took a good side route. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I just hope that we all learn to, I don't know, get past this in some way. It comes by, by keeping it together. So I'm, I'm really thankful to the human solution. I was terrified as a defendant then. I was terrified after that when I was arrested for cannabis. And I continue to get sick to my stomach when I see red and blue lights, which are very pretty, but they flash in the back and they tell me I'm in severe danger. So I, um, I'm, I'm seriously interested in trying to help. And I'm just grateful for this organization that helps us come together, all those that are afraid and stand together and the mermaids and, you know, together, hey, we can handle this. It's so true. It's so true. Um, for those of you that are that are watching on the live feed, it looks like we got an interruption. I'm starting another live feed right now, and uh, let's just keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. So uh, we're live now on the uh, public figure page. Looks like we got a few calls that just came in, and again, I'm ready. I Go take care of them. Pass them the torch so to someone else. I'm always uh, eager to hear what you have to say, and uh, um, you're, you're, you're a storyteller and a great screener at the same time. So um, Thank I you, look Bill. forward to talking to you soon. All right, once again, folks, non-compliant Mary, she is a member of the Human Solution Board. She is a warrior in her own right and one of the most creative and uh, amazing people I've, I've ever met. Um, okay, so hopefully, again, we got more people calling in to talk. Again, all you got to do, pick up that phone, dial 646-929-2495. <laughs> Tom Corby's on the line, 
I will go through another couple of points, and then we'll get up to Tom unless we get somebody else. All right, so I talked about Noah Kleinman's appeal and Charlie Lynch's potential benefit from it. Charlie Lynch was a guest on the show, I don't know, a month or two ago, and he talked about his case, and he talked about, um, you know, what happens when the government sets their sights on you and how he's been stuck in limbo, um, you know, for the past um, for the past 11 years, and he can't earn money, and he's, or, you know, he can earn a little bit of money, but he's, he's, He's stuck in a place that he's unable to uh, uh, get back to his life. And um, at any given moment, he could be forced to live out his sentence, which he's already been sentenced, but <coughs> he's been allowed by the court system to remain out pending his appeal. All right, tomorrow is a big day. Uh, last week, Adam Asenberg came on. And let us know that his case, which is a civil case against the government, is going to be heard tomorrow. <coughs> and there's oral arguments scheduled <coughs> for tomorrow. And <coughs> there's a link that he sent me in a messenger, and I will figure out how to share it, and I will be sharing this on my public page. I believe it's at 10.30 in the morning. It's happening in Idaho. I had attempted to uh, get a flight a week or so in advance, um, but the cost of the flight was so much it wasn't possible. I wanted more than $1,000 to fly from Southern California to Idaho and back, um, and I just couldn't make that happen. Anyway, so I'm going to join him via the live feed that they have from the courthouse, and hopefully we'll get to see um, the oral arguments made on Adam's behalf and watch this case move forward. <clears throat> and this will be yet another opportunity for us to take a proactive stance and to strike a blow <clears throat> at prohibition from this side, which is powerful. All right, we got Chris uh, from Kansas. He's a new 420 member. And uh, he's calling in the show, and he's got something to say. He's going to help save my voice a little bit today. And uh, I offered, or I invited him to the show a couple of weeks back, and uh, here we go. Chris, welcome to the show. I'm glad you finally made it. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing as good as can be expected. Uh, thanks for having me, and thank you for all you guys do. Well, you know, it's a, it's a joint effort, if you know what I mean. It's, uh, yeah. you know, all of us standing together and, and doing what we can when we can. And uh, a month or so ago, you uh, raised your hand and stepped into the ring with us, and so you are part of the solution as it is. Well, I'm I'm going to try. I'm just one disabled guy in the middle of Kansas, so I don't know how it can be other than voice and support. <laughs> well, I assure you that 90% of the work that the human solution accomplishes is <clears throat> being accomplished by folks just like you. Some of the people that get the most done are the people that the state and society might recognize as um, uh, handicapped 
But the truth is, um, I have watched and witnessed and participated with these, and I'm going to put air quotes on it, handicapped folks, and I've watched them do more more good and 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 have more heart and more fight in them than most of the able-bodied folks that I know. So yeah, I can say don't underestimate yourself. <laughs> oh, I know. I definitely get it. It's a so chronic pain thing for myself. In Kansas the other day. Yeah, we had a. They tried to attach the Kansas Safe Access Act to the hemp bill going through the legislature right now. And what happened? And uh, well, we got voted down uh, fifty-four to sixty-nine. Well, it's getting closer at very least. Um, I'm, I'm assuming at least, Lisa at least they got. I say at least they got to talk about it for an hour. That's more than they've done the past years. Were the bleeding Kansas folks out there? Yes, they were. I I, I haven't. Uh, Lisa's a hell of a warrior. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, uh, I I always look forward to her coming on the show and sharing her her exploits. Um, again, another example. You know, she she's uh, uh, barely able to, to, to cope and survive, and yet she puts more time in on the front lines than, you know, most of the able-bodied folk that I know, um, just dedicated, just dedicated. So, again, it just shows that, you know, one or two of us uh, can make such a big difference, such a big difference. Yeah, definitely so take input you- from from all over. What do you see as um, the next steps going on in Kansas right now? Well, there's uh, primaries coming up this November, and I think I can think of a couple of representatives that probably need a challenger. Have you heard anything from Jennifer Wynn lately? She got a little pissed off at me for something, and I haven't heard from her in, I don't know, since the first of the year. But uh, I know she's quite an advocate, and I know she's doing a lot of good work, but I don't know what she's up to. Have you heard anything out of her? Uh, That, no, I haven't. Okay. Well, I I know that, um, you know, we're adamantly working at building the Kansas chapter. Um, We have probably a dozen members in Kansas. They're kind of smattered all over the place. Uh, we got some up in the Kansas City corner. We got some in near Wichita. We got we got you and we got um, uh, I'm trying to think a, a pretty decent little group or in the Wichita area. So I'm I know that uh, some of the folks that were acting as leadership are moving out of Kansas. So I'm trying to sort of restructure things and, and uh, create an environment where we can get everybody together at least to have a conversation. So that's part of what we're doing right now is, uh, you know, trying to get reorganized. And, uh, yeah. you know, there's a, a, few, a few cases that we're supporting, but I just haven't got any recent information about them. Well, I'd definitely like to be a part of it. Oh, you will for sure. 
Um, all right, well, Chris, uh, it, it's absolutely a pleasure that you came aboard. Um, let me know if there's anything else that you uh, wanted to share with us. Otherwise, um, we're going to keep on marching. All right, thank you. Beautiful. Once again, Chris Howell from Kansas, his first time on the show, but um, he's an active 420 member, and uh, we're just glad to have him with us. Slowly but surely, we're growing. We're growing across the country. We're growing in our strength. We're growing in our numbers, and we're growing in our skill. So that's what's going on. A lot of big things happening. All right. Here's another um, tidbit I wanted to talk about. Um, probably about six months ago, I had made a promise, and um, the Human Solution is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. What that means is that um, we're able to raise money for a cause and give a tax write-off. It means that we can um, accept grant funding for projects. It means that we can uh, give community service hour credits. It means that we can take in um, uh, interns. There's a number of things that are uh, benefits of being a 501c3 nonprofit. One of the things that we pledged to do <coughs> as we were forming this organization was to work with other nonprofits uh, in in projects that uh, you know were similar in nature, that had similar goals. <coughs> There's an organization called the Fully Informed Jury Association, FIJA, and many of you have heard of them. They're also a nonprofit, and they promote the idea of jury nullification. The, the idea, the principle, that every citizen has the right and even the obligation to not only serve as a juror, but to judge the law as well as the evidence presented before them and the law that has been given to judge that law. And if they find that that law is unjust or immoral, that they have an obligation to vote not guilty to a defendant who is being charged with an unjust law. And as you know, my opinion and the general opinion of the human solution is that we don't have any just cannabis laws because any cannabis law that would have a place where an individual could be locked up simply for this plant would by its own nature be unjust. And it wouldn't matter. Again, I went into a tirade earlier about this. It wouldn't matter if you had the illegally allowed one or five or six or 12 plants or the illegally allowed 99 plants or what might be considered extreme and have 10,000 plants or 20,000 plants or 100,000 plants. I, I don't think that if you were to go to the breadbasket of America and ask a wheat farmer or a corn farmer or a soybean farmer 
or a cotton farmer or a chili bean farmer or a tomato farmer or any other kind of farmer, how many plants do you have? He would laugh at you like you were a blithering idiot. I have four acres of plants. What do you mean, how many plants do I have? I have 100 acres of plants. I have 10 acres of plants. I have two acres of this and four acres of that and a half acre of that. They don't count plants, folks. Nobody counts plants. But our cannabis laws do. If you were to ask a farmer how many grains of corn did they get, because somehow it mattered. He would look at you like you're crazy. He would say, I got four silos full. I got 17 railroad cars full. I got 20 truckloads full. They don't measure in the way that they measure cannabis. And yet, it's not different. If you were to ask a farmer or a manufacturer of corn syrup or molasses or um, honey or any other plant extract, how many uh, ounces did you get? Again, they would laugh at you, ounces. <laughs> you know, I have, I have, you know, cubic yards. I have, I have, you know, giant barrels full. I have, how many 55-gallon drums do you need? We don't talk about ounces and milliliters. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. And yet, most of the groups that advocate for change or reform are okay with all of this. We must regulate. We must tax. We must limit. Why? Why? Why do we need to limit? How many beers can you have in your garage? How many bottles of wine can you have in your garage? How many bottles of aspirin can you have in your pantry? They don't have that number. It doesn't exist. And yet, all these self-righteous sons of bitches are going to say, well, he had more than he needed. More than he needed. Who are you to judge that? Who are you to judge how much plant I need? But, unfortunately, not only the lawmakers, not only the lobbyists, but our own, our own advocates, our own activists, groups, whole groups dedicated to the reform of marijuana laws, Sorry to keep picking on you guys, but it's true. It's not enough. Why don't we have a group dedicated to any prohibition? Well, we do. We have one for sure. There's a few. There's a few. But anyways, back to FIJA, Fully Informed Jury Association. <laughs> we have a right. We have a power. We have a tool that each of us can use. Each one of us has the right, nay, the obligation to be a juror and to judge these laws. And imagine if you were selected as a juror and if you got picked on this jury and you, as one juror, have that power to say not guilty. 
you by yourself, one person, one juror, could mean the difference between a man's freedom or his incarceration. Well, the Fully Informed Jury Association talks about that, teaches about it, has information and literature about it. And Kirsten Tynan, who is uh, the poobah over there, is also a friend of mine and a friend of the organization. And uh, Fija and the Human Solution have worked together hand-in-hand hand for many, many years. In fact, we have created some uh, literature that is a joint um, a joint production, and one of our postcards is a is a Fija forward slash Human Solution production. So back in I don't know first of the year or last year, uh, Kirsten asked me, Joe, I'm going to be in Southern California in April. Um, can you put together an event that I can speak at? And I said, Sure, shouldn't be a problem. Well, um, she hit me up last week and said, Joe, April 7th is coming soon. Do we have a location? Do we have an event? And I had to tell her, Kirsten, uh, I had a spot that I thought was going to work, but it didn't because the date didn't match. And uh, frankly, it's been awful hard to get any support out here because everybody's so busy trying to get a license to do business. And people don't believe that there's pot cases around. Even though I have cases in California that are trying to get support, <laughs> sort of a conundrum. Um, so she's going to be down in Southern California in my neck of the woods, and I need a place to host an event. So I'm calling on the headquarters folks. I'm calling on anybody who's in the area. Um, I not only need a place, but I need you to help me coordinate it and create it and make it happen because, frankly, I only have so much time. And um, I want it to happen, but I, I can't dedicate 40 hours of my life to make it happen. April 7th, I believe, is a Friday, and um, we can make it any time. We can make it anywhere in Southern California if I can get people to uh, a location to do this um, and secure it by this weekend, Kirsten's willing to come and give a presentation. So I'm asking, um, I'm asking for help from my headquarters team. Somebody please find me a spot and uh, let's make it happen. All right, Fija. Speaking of cases, we have a case. Dana Beal has been on the show a couple of times. Um, he has a case in Trinity County. It's been put off more than once. And um, nobody showed up at his hearing last time. And uh, I'd sure like there to be some support. Now, Dana has been in the movement for a long time, 20, 30, 40 years, longer than most of us. But as so many that have been in the movement for a long time, uh, sometimes the, the connection to what's happening today uh, is limited. I've been spending time with Dana trying to educate him about what can work and what doesn't, and I am hoping that I've gotten the notion 
that you as a defendant need to be the champion of this cause. <coughs> you as a defendant need to be the one that is carrying the torch and shouting the loudest. And we will help you. We will help you raise up this cause. But you need to be the one. You need to be the champion. Well, he wants to go around and um, give a presentation. He has a, a PowerPoint presentation that lays out the history of, of cannabis prohibition. And, and uh, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like he's got a pretty good uh, pretty good presentation put together. And um, he's trying to get support in his area, and he wants a, he's looking also for a place to give this presentation up in the Northern California area. He reached out to me the other day, and he told me that he had gotten a hold of a person who at one time at least was a member of the Human Solution. Her name is Tabitha Toms, and uh, she's up in Reading area. And he reached out to her, and it sounded like she was going to be able to help. But he hasn't been able to get a hold of her anymore. So if anybody that's listening knows Tabitha, I'm going to ask you to please reach out to her, have her get a hold of Dina or myself. And I know that um, at Dr. Badgley's office there's a, a good location, or at least at what was Dr. Badgley's office. I don't know if he's still there. But there was a great location to have an, a, an event like this. Um, all we would need is a computer, a projector, and um, some seats. And so I'm going to, again, try to help Dina in any way that we can. I'm going to encourage anybody who is in California, Northern California especially, but he wants to tour around and give this presentation. If you um, are able to or you have a location or um, even just interested and you can maybe help find a location, uh, get a hold of Dana and I know that he'd be glad to, to work with you. He's fighting a case. He's willing to stand up and fight. That's the hardest part. Uh, that's the hardest part in all of this. So let's help Dana Beal. All right, we got Pete Yapel. I'm going to save my voice. And uh, he's got an update from New York City. And uh, Pete, again, is another warrior. He's fighting his own health issues. But he's been um, an advocate for this plant in a, in a admirable way. He, he, he champions this plant like somebody who means it. Um, he gets out there and he, he does a podcast that he's got a great reach on. Um, him and his wife, Helen, have uh, stood up and formed a uh, solidarity over separation chapter of the Human Solution up in New York, and uh, uh, they're teaching classes up in uh, Sugarloaf, and just so many good things are coming out of the Yapel family, and at the same time, uh, Pete is fighting his own health issues, and, you know, like I said, so many times, so many ways, um, people that would be considered, and I'll air quote, disabled or handicapped are leading the charge. And I, and I say, where are all the able bodies? Where are all those that are not disabled? Why aren't you helping a little more? I'm just 
saying. Anyways, my good friend and comrade and ally, Pete Gaffel, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm hanging in there, Joe. Helen, uh, for the first time, you're, you're talking about being sick, and yeah, I've been, I, like I said, I had a rough rough week last week, and this week hasn't been so great, but uh, Helen finally has, this is the first cold this woman's had, I mean, like, even cold in five years, but, uh, so whatever's out there has got to be pretty, uh, uh, pretty tough uh, customer, because, you know, we, gosh, we keep our cannabinoid system strong as we possibly can, and uh, I think that I, I account for that, in, at least me having me avoid the common cold. But, um, yeah, I was talking about it on my show this week, too, Joe, that, you know, I I love seeing these marches that the kids put together, you know, and all these millions of people and celebrities and this, that, you know, they'll go and stand on the steps of the, you know, White House and scream about gun control and and this, that, no thing. And and, uh, we always get asked the same question, you know, like, we need a rally. Well, you know. We're sick people. We, can't, you know, it's kind of hard to put a million of us together and to have all a good day on the same day, you know, and, and be able to be out there. But the thing that bothers me more about that is, is the people in Hollywood and the people that and politicians and people that can make a difference or in the public eye anyway, um, that because we can't get out there like that, they know they won't be seen like that. So it makes it less interesting for them, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, we live in a society where you know, everything comes with a price tag, but at, at the end of the day, you know, uh, 23 days ago, uh, we had a school shooting, you know, and lost a couple lives, but, uh, we've lost over 4,000 lives since then from opiate overdose. So we have a bigger problem out there than worrying about crazy kids that grab a gun and go shoot up schools, even though that is a huge problem. Don't think I'm not giving light to it. But when when, when 4,000 additional people die in a 23-day span, I think we have a little bit more pertinent issue out there than worrying about whether we're going to give teachers guns to bring to school. So um, uh, I can attest, my wife can attest, my wife and I were both opiate addicts. Uh, thank you, Big Pharma. Thank you, doctors. And uh, cannabis was, was the vehicle that took us from that dependency and gave us freedom. And, and if people would spend the time or give five minutes to speak to someone that's either been in the position or someone that is, in our case, you know, educating about this, you know, we are doing all we can uh, to, uh, uh, you know, not only educate about the cannabis plant, but I mean, gosh, there's so many healthy alternatives that we just disregard, and we and we just think, oh well, if people could do that, then why would people be sick? Well, people stop doing the old things, you know. I think, case in point, I look at my grandmother. The woman's 92 years old. She's finally getting a bit of dementia and some senility and all. But my grandmother, uh, up until two years ago, was shoveling her own driveway and sidewalk, you know, at, you know, at 90 years old, you know, and, uh, and cutting a hedge clip in her hedgerow that's 130 feet long by hand with a pair of clippers every year, you know, was the most immaculate thing in the world. But that woman treated with, like, witch hazel, and, you know, she hasn't been to a doctor since 1968, you know, and it, it, to me, 
if they gives warrants to the fact that we don't always have to run and to a prescription pad or what we see on the TV, you know, tell your doctor. Well, why do I got to tell my doctor? Isn't he supposed to tell me about it? If I got to go tell my doctor, why am I paying him a $50 copay? Uh, you know, I, I don't get why I'm telling my doctor, but whatever the case, uh, we, we've got a society that just thinks that way. And, I, you know, and we have, if, if we all knew and took five minutes to understand how we parallel with this plant when it comes to health and our endocannabinoid system and the cannabinoids involved within the plant and within ourselves, uh, that, you know, it, it should be a no-brainer. You know, why do we need a synthetic cannabis? We don't need a synthetic cannabis. We have real cannabis. Cannabis isn't sh- – we're not short on cannabis. There's plenty of cannabis in the market. Ask freaking Oregon, you know, at $200 a pound. I mean, Christ almighty, how can you, first of all, make a living? Um, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's so much in this industry that people are just so misconceived about, and it, they, they really should just take the time to listen to shows like yours. I mean, God almighty, we're, we talk about people every day, every week on your show that are facing a lifetime in jail over a plant that has never had the capability even of hurting anyone. It is so, it is so far from, from makes it so far from making any sense to me that, you know, that, that I don't, I, I shake my head and it's a no brainer for me to fight. Um, oh, Joe, I do want to make mention if I can real quick on our show this week too, we covered, um, uh, one story from uh, Jen Atkinson. Jen is a is a um, uh, volunteer for the National uh, Cannabis Patients Wall, and Jen's going through a real tough case right now with um, her daughter uh, uh, being in custody of her hu- ex husband who lives in North Carolina, and because she's a card holding member of our society. The judge now has given scrutiny. He won't give the child back to her because she lives in Florida, and she's a cardholder. Now, she's not even fighting CPS and such. She's fighting the state of North Carolina because they're making this decision that because she's a cardholding cannabis patient that she's not fit as the father is. After the child has been – the father is a previously accused child abuser. So this is how – screwed up our system is and how quickly the government will like take our kids and put them in a more harmful position again over a plant that's never done anything. So I'm going to put together a letter writing campaign and I'm going to, uh, she sent me the name of the judge and the courthouse. And I really think it would be impactful if we could get that involved. And it, it, it is irony because I get done with talking to her and having her on the show on Monday and yesterday, somebody reaches out to me in North Carolina with the same exact thing. She's looking for grandparents' rights or actually to take custody of her grandchild, and they won't get her because, uh, because and listen to this, the judge said that she couldn't have rights to her child because she had posts on her Facebook about cannabis. She said to them, I haven't used cannabis in a year, and I will take a drug test right now. It didn't matter. She had posts on her Facebook about cannabis and this child's being kept with her because she agrees 
and is pro cannabis. This is this is where we're going in the end. And I, and North Carolina is a very tough state. You know, it's a good old boys state, and it, uh, you know, it, 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 these these are things that have to be brought up. You know, I mean, these, these poor ladies. You know, these lawyers are expensive, man. We all know that. But uh, I don't think a, I don't think a, a you know five minute letter that somebody could put together could really hurt them. It can only help these people. Well, as you know, that's certainly one of the things that we do, and that's certainly one of the things that anybody can help with. And um, I, I will certainly help in any way to promote that notion if we can create a template and um, you know get a, a, a press release put up on the Human Solutions site. Um, they're all welcome to come as guests on this show as well. The more places to speak, the broader the audience you can reach. Um, consider consider us in. That's that's all part of what what, what we do out here. Uh, absolutely, you know, and I knew and I knew that that would be the the answer I got, but uh, I hadn't had a chance to talk to you that earlier today. I've been like I said, I just been busy taking care of Helen. She hasn't been hasn't been good, but uh, what are you going to do? We all get we all catch well, something every once in a while, you know. Take care take care of your woman. That that is she is. Uh, one of your, your greatest gifts in life, as we all know, when you have, are fortunate enough to have somebody to share your life with, it's uh, certainly uh, certainly one of life's greatest gifts. So, um, you know, as always, I appreciate uh, everything you're doing, and uh, give us the details about this case, and we will uh, unleash the troops and begin the assault. Awesome, Joe. I appreciate I always appreciate the time you give me on the, on the show. You know I love the work you do, man. That's why I love working with you. And uh, we'll just keep the good fight up. And one of these freaking days, you know, we'll be able to just, you know, go down the road throwing seeds out our window and not because we're trying to avoid getting caught. Hey, we just keep on marching. That's how we do it. All right, folks. <laughs> That's it. Hey, Pete, if somebody wants to participate up your way, how do they get a hold of you? Well, they can and get a hold of us. Sorry, I said that to you. I, I, I Totally screwed up. My, my brain's been a little off kilter with my voice. That's fine. They can get in touch with us at www.cannawetalk42 and then the uh, small O. So it's like H2O, it's 420.com. Uh, com. Or they can reach out to me at my number at any time is 845-522-3162. And, uh, you know, we're all over the place, man. Our cannabis country, our our radio show is on Monday nights, on Blog Talk as well. Look for that. Uh, we always have some. We always have a lot of good people on, and we always have something great to talk about as well. So, I excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much once again, Pete Yample, and um, we send a, a thought and a prayer out for Helen so she feels better, and uh, expect some results by tomorrow. Awesome, brother. Have a good evening. All right. Um, I, I did want to talk a little bit about all the rallies and protests going on. Um, you know, since Donald Trump took office, uh, I've seen some mobilization for women's rights, which, of course, is a noble thing. Um, we've had these horrific shootings where senseless lives have been lost and senseless blood has been spilled, and we have children uh, taken to the streets and 
trying to get gun control pushed forward, and they're threatening to vote, and they're threatening to remove politicians from office that aren't listening. And I am, of course, moved by this because it's something, it's, it's action. Um, and I respect anybody who gets out there and marches for something they believe in. And of course, I believe in all of those things. It should be a no-brainer um, that if you believe in something strong enough, you should march for it. But I can't help but wonder, what is it that keeps people from marching for this cause in the same way? Why is there not the outrage? Every high school has people that have senselessly been arrested for pet cannabis. Um, parents of these high schoolers um, have fought for their freedom and some of them have lost high school children as a result of using cannabis. Um, there are inmates that have lost their children. Children have died while they were locked up in prison um, for cannabis. And yet there's not a march. There's not an outcry. There's not a call to action to end this war. Um, there's a complacency because we're winning. We're getting so much uh, legislation happening. And I'm going to throw something that might be a little unsettling to you folks, but I call them as I see them. These shootings are, of course, horrific, and, and my opinion is um, I'm, a, I'm a gun owner, and I, and I support gun rights. I'm not a crazy, you know, open carry guy by any stretch, but it's not about the guns. You know, look at the common thread between every one of these shooters, and we have a horrific, horrific mental health problem in the United States that nobody's talking about. Well, they're starting to talk about it, but nobody's addressing it. We have generations of children that have been medicated with powerful pharmaceutical drugs, and nobody's saying anything about that. Not nobody, but not enough. There's not the outrage. We want to fix the symptom, but why don't we go after the disease? And I'm just wondering, you know, what if I was to lead a charge to um, outlaw cars? Because I can guarantee you people that more people die at the hand of cars than do at the hand of guns. By sane people and crazy people, cars kill more people than guns do. Look at the numbers. It's there. Why don't we outlaw cars? And then what about the use of a terrorist weapon? What are they doing nowadays? They're ramming people with vans and cars and trucks in Europe, in the States. That's become a weapon of choice. I don't hear anybody talking about removing cars off the road or regulating these cars or making it so you have to pass a background check to get a car. I don't know why we don't think about the common sense of all of this. And I know I'm a big asshole because I'm saying this stuff. But take your feelings out of it 
for a minute and look at it for what it is. And I realized that if anybody had a child that was killed by somebody who shot them in any way, it would always, of course, be senseless. I'm not, I'm not numb to that. And I'm certainly not diminishing that in any way, shape, or form. But think about what I'm saying. You're dealing with very disturbed people. Anybody who would pick up a weapon of any kind, be it a rock, a knife, a throwing star, a gun, a cannon, a truck, anything, if you were to raise a weapon against another human being in any way that was not self-defense, You've got a mental problem. You have major issues, okay? And I just don't know why we're not talking about that. So that's my thoughts on all of that. I hate to bring up this conversation, but it all ties into why aren't we marching about ending prohibition? Why aren't we upset about the fact that we've had our rights taken away, our inalienable rights, our God-given rights, that are given to us just for being alive, and they've been taken away. And we're not fighting for them. We're asking for some limited amount. What if the government comes in and starts restricting your oxygen intake? Sorry, we're going to control your oxygen. You're going to have to breathe a little slower. You only get (coughs) 742 breaths a day, or you're going to have to apply for a permit. And you say, well, that's just crazy. Well, look at what else they're doing. And look at what they're doing with cannabis. Look what they've done with water. Look what they've done with all kinds of things. This is something that we should be a little more upset about than I think we are. Um, One of the biggest problems that we have with incarceration that it punishes not only the person that's been charged, but their whole family and loved ones and everybody that they're connected to. When you lock up a good man or woman, you are locking up everybody that they're connected to on any level. And, again, there's been cases where we've had recently in the last five 10 years, or five years for sure, people that have served long, long sentences and finally get released. In most cases, in most cases, marriages do not survive a long sentence. Just about everybody that I know that has gone through a case that's lasted, or a sentence that's lasted more than seven years, comes out and their loved one, their spouse, their partner is no longer there. We just had a uh, an individual contact us who's in the halfway house, and he said that uh, while he was locked up serving his time, he cut his partner loose, said, you know what, you deserve better than this. I know you're not going to wait around for me, so, you know, you have my blessing. Go do what you need to do. And uh, she left. 
There's a man by the name of Robert Platshorn, and you may know him. He's an advocate. He's a, he was a famous smuggler at one time. He did 30 years in federal prison, 30 years for pot. He didn't kill anybody. He didn't rape anybody. He didn't steal anything from anybody. He didn't break into anybody's house. He didn't burn anybody's yard down. He smuggled a bunch of pot. Served his time, 30 years. When he got out, his wife Lynn was waiting for him. 30 years later. Now, I can only guess as to the nature of this relationship and to the quality of character of this woman who stood by her man for 30 years while he was in custody. But I do know this. I know Robert, and I know the fondness that he has always uh, expressed for his wife, the pictures that he shared, the stories that he's told, and everything I've heard from everybody else. It was a beautiful, uh, long love story. And I just wanted to uh, just give her a little homage right now. I never met her in person, but uh, she passed today. And I just want to say uh, rest in peace to Lynn Platshorn. Um, I know Robert must be going through some amazing pain, so please, if you pray, uh, put a prayer up for Robert, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to survive his grief and continue his fight. Um, But the point that I wanted to make was he lost 30 years of relationship with his wife in a way that a free man wouldn't have. That was a price he paid because of prohibition. And I just think that so many people just don't get it. They don't get what's at stake. They don't get what's being done to us. They don't get the price that people are paying. And all these newcomers and all this new money is coming into the game, all these new experts, and they're standing on these guys' shoulders. And they're standing there and they're scooping up a bunch of money, and I just hope, I just hope that some of them have it in their mind and in their hearts what they're standing on and how they got there, and maybe they can help us finish the job. Because there are still people out here that recognize that we're still under attack. That there's still a war against us. A war that is waged by the people that are supposed to be representing us (coughs) and not assaulting us. (coughs) A war that is being waged by people that are supposed to be serving us and protecting us and not assaulting us and robbing us of our rights and property. (coughs) And there are people that are going to stand and fight until we get this. But, my God, wouldn't it be easier if we had a little help? That's all I'm saying. Please, looking for a little help. All right, I got 17 minutes left, probably about two minutes left on The Voice. I got Tom Corby with the NorCal Report. 
Um, <coughs> George Martirano has not called in yet, but I do have the final moments of the show slated for him. Hopefully he'll call and join us. Tom Corby, welcome to the show, my friend. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Joe. And not to forget the Coffee Party Radio Show, Mary, Lisa, Becca, and all those on the front line coming together to end prohibition. Uh, not like last week, Joe. I'm not a man of brevity tonight. Uh, <clears throat> I really don't know where to start. I've got Frank and Ann and Nick Moran here helping me again that might come old, come in and comment on some of the things perhaps up in here in Northern California. Uh, I'm glad Dana Bill came on and talked. Uh, I guess he told you, and they thanked us uh, for staying overnight here. We worked their case. I have their case here. Uh, it's it's, a, it's a, a pretty weak case. Uh, I really think it's going to go away. Uh, we tried to muster as much co- local court support and hopefully some from Reading. Uh, you'll be the first degree we learned we cannot be running uh, half day traveling uh, for motion <laughs> Exactly. We, most of these Joe brings out on radio show every week. We finally learn we must save our resources, our energy, and our expenses for our priorities which Nick and Frank brought out, Joe brought out. When we go to trial, after that jury's picked, and when they're doing the oral argument, we will come a long ways for you, and thank Joe for coming for so many, and us too. Uh, we would be glad to help Dana any way we can from here. We can only do so much from here, and we also have a lot to do. We have a, other cases I'm going to bring up uh, Richard Hemsley. I hope Dr. Allen's on today. Uh, I'll bring him up next. Uh, on a fundraiser, uh, we might even be able to have one here. Okay, Donna. Uh, we could start a, a GoFundMe. I'd be glad to throw 20 bucks in for Dana. Uh, maybe I can pass a jar. We're going up to Ben for Benno's uh uh, celebration barbecue up at uh, Anderson River Park. You know, we did all the fundraisers for Benno this, this Saturday, uh, 11, 11 a.m. Uh, all afternoon. Uh, so we'll, I'll pass a jar up there. We'll start raising some money for Dana. Uh, that'd be great if he could be there with Jay. And uh, uh, so uh, I want to say good luck. Dana Bill and thank him for all he's done for so many years. Dana goes back with Jack Hare, uh, RFP. Uh, also, uh, on the calendar, we'll try again. Uh, I've got Nick and uh, Frank here on the calendar to get Dana's uh, uh, next cheering in. If I could get to date and the time, we can start mustering court support now. So, if Dana, if you're listening, if you can send me that, we'll get it on the calendar. We can also create an event uh, on our, uh, on our uh, homepage, a creative event, and start mustering court support now. Uh, uh, Richard Hemsley, uh, Joe, when you talked about uh, what the family goes through, uh, uh, and he has two beautiful little daughters, uh, what they go through, uh, it, sometimes it's hard, one of the hardest things 
for him and jail in there is, is what the family and his kids are going through. Uh, he, uh, I've got it here. I don't know how much uh, you want to hear on this? Uh, this is uh, Joe's going to point out. First of all, I'm going to cut to the chase here. This is a federal case. What's that say? Joe will tell you most of the time. Most of the time, I hate to say it. You end up hopefully getting some kind of really good plea deal because why? You're up against the feds. Your Prop 215, your doctor's recommendations. Uh, yes, we can still bring it in. I'm telling them let's let's still bring the doctors and and our, and rec, our recommendations. And always when we come for these cases, uh, uh, this is a Marsden motion. What that is, folks? That's recusing an incompetent paid attorney. It's that that Richard doesn't feel he's doing his job. Uh, now, first of all, on a Marsden uh, uh, recuse motion hearing, the judge has to allow it. Now, up here uh, in Northern California and Butte County with Eric Pierce, uh, he had PD Marshall, the worst ever. Uh, uh, twice he even said he couldn't defend er, uh, Eric's case. Joe remembers this well, uh, and he wouldn't recuse himself. And had two judges wouldn't recuse him and took him on to trial. When you talk about trial, folks, took him on to trial, and you talk about being railroaded, handpicked jury, the judge, that DA, all working together. And, uh, yeah, that's what they do. Getting So when you have a federal case, uh, first of all, a lot of times anyway, uh, he wrote a three-page letter to Dr. Allen. I actually have that letter right here. I could read it. I actually have all his case stuff here. I could read all this. Uh, but what, uh, <clears throat> one of the things that, uh, the, that we do, when we think about going pro per, first of all, that's a, that's a tough road to hold. Joe knows that. We all know that. Almost went cold for on my case. I might have been able to handle it, uh, especially now it's federal. Uh, so we went through, uh, and court support is so important. Focus on local court support for these motion hearings. Even if you have a few people there, the right people, uh, and when you're going to trial or maybe a preliminary hearing, will come uh, 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 the distance. Uh, and get, we'll get it to the counter. Uh, so, uh, proceed pro per. Uh, even the judge uh, uh, denied the motion when we were there uh, with, uh, with uh, Frank and Ann, Dr. Alan Sue, and Alex Lyons, uh, Richard Hempley's friend. Um, the judge, uh, we waited all morning, uh, and I'm glad we came. We don't usually go to Sacramento. Uh, for just a motion hearing, uh, but we went this first time. Why did we go this first time? One of the reasons we went for Alex, for Doc, too, and all of them, and more also for Richard Hemsley, for when we sat with courts of order with a group. We all have our green ribbons on, our solidary ribbons. When he comes out from jail, we make sure to sit on the other side so he sees that we're there for him. Uh, he has uh, jumped into Jumping ahead now, Dr. Allen Sue trying to uh, muster local court support in Sacramento. Remember, we used to have a lot for him. He, uh, coming up the third time, the judge, and uh, I'm not saying Dr. Allen said, well, the judge can't tell him. 
after the judge actually talked to him quite a while, and uh, Frank Howe, and the judge really talked, and I think the judge, on, on the other hand, even though he can't tell Richard, uh, you'll be found guilty, I'll find you guilty if you if you, cause you can't do it. Well, the judge is right in the way uh, uh, that if you can't stand up to these DAs and they've been to school, and it's a tough road to hold. So I see both sides on this. Uh, we just hope, and Dr. Allen then even told the attorney, went out and said, maybe you could just do your job, and, we, and maybe you can get this attorney. Uh, his daughter was there and thanked us, and uh, she said she actually likes the attorney in, attorney in some way. And also, uh, this judge, Offered to to uh, supply uh, legal assistance, a uh, public defender. So uh, you might want to consider that. And uh, so he's standing his ground, Richard, uh, taking him on. Uh, what what happened basically to cut the chase? I don't know how much time I have here, Joe. Uh, let me know. Uh, he uh, up, up in the, he's up in Nevada County. Uh, and he was growing. Uh, what happens here a lot of times, folks, and it's happened to me here, uh, being the landlord and the owner. Uh, so he's he's growing for this landlord. Uh, it turns out he was growing over the, the line on Fed property. Well, he didn't know. So here's a here's a really good defense. And listen, uh, talk about yeah, he has a good defense, and he didn't know the landlord didn't tell him. He may not have known. So that's what made it federal. Uh, also, uh, in his letter to Dr. Allen, uh, I was hoping he'd share tonight. He spent quite a bit writing uh, Richard back and forth and helping him. Uh, he brought out how how there's 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 no real uh, hard sculpt exculpatory evidence. There's only circumstantial evidence. So uh, he's bringing that out. And now, also, uh, I don't think they're, they're allowing. All the evidence in. Uh, there was a case right before me. Frank will tell you. Uh, Alex wrote it out that the judge, uh, this, 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 this attorney, was trying to get another motion to, to work the discovery longer. And the judge came up. We'd never get to trial if all you lawyers keep motioning for more time. So that's good in a way because actually, what we really want to do, we want to we want to put this in the hands of the people. And when you take it to to a jury, uh, a lot of these people, uh, so many of them, uh, don't think they know that they're savvy on our on our cannabis medicine. So uh, he's taking them on to trial, uh, going back on. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> don't forget to breathe. <coughs> right here. Right <coughs> He's going back back on April 6th at 9 a.m. And that's in Sacramento. (laughs) That's uh, that's not at the Superior Court of Sacramento where you went, Joe, for Shelby. Uh, This is at the federal (coughs) courthouse, which is uh, 501 I Street. It's federal. It's all different. You have to have your license even to get through security. Uh, so he has he has a hearing on four six eighteen. We'll try to get this under the calendar too. Uh, we're working on local court support again. Thank Dr. Allen for all he's doing down there. Uh, 
Um, we're also, we always bring up how important these letters are. So Dr. Allen and Alex writing the letter now have already written letters for, for Richard Hemsley. Uh, there's no reason why we can't write some letters for Dana Beal and get them, get them to the judge and the DA so they can hear the story. Because see what folks, if, if a lot of times the judge and these DAs, they have so many cases. They get a case they really don't know specifics. So you come in and do it, uh, and write write your <clears throat> write your own statement out in your own words. It could go a long ways. And the more letters we get, uh, more chance that it will take effect. And we've had a lot of uh, also <clears throat> excuse me uh, letters of leniency, and all these letters uh, help. And, and uh, also letters letters to 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 the prisoner. So when I write a letter, I, I not only write it maybe to to the to the defendant, also make sure to get a copy for his DA and the judge. <clears throat> so I just started out, uh, Yo Richard, because he's been here, he's a friend, and he's been here. He played horseshoes out there like you did with Liz. You were here, <laughs> and. Uh, I did, this is what you can do with people when you write them a letter. Just a note to let you know we're all thinking of positive vibes for you and that you're not forgotten in there, my friend. We honor you for standing your ground, taking no plea deal, considering no real direct evidence, rather only circumstantial, uh, very much reasonable doubt, which plays huge in, the, in a jury trial, as Joe well knows. We were there for your Mars in Motion hearing, 9 a.m., 3.16, with Alex, his 29th birthday, by the way, that day. Uh, and we had a party for him up there. Uh, Dr. Alan, Sue, and Frank and Ann were there. Uh, <clears throat> Nick, Nick, Nick Moran offered to go, and I said, no, that's fine. But Nick's, uh, he's, he's, he's taking a stand here. These are two defendants that actually won their case and are coming for others. Some uh, don't come as hard. Uh, I think you saw us in the back there uh, with your sister, Teresa, and I'll go on with this letter. Okay. Uh, maybe, uh, and also, Nick Rand brought out, Frank, uh, Nick's going to bring out on uh, this letter to Richard uh, how Oh, you got his acquittal up here in Butte County. Frank's going to say something, too. We're all writing letters. Uh, I have that address. Two-minute warning. Uh, yeah, I, I started looking away over there. <laughs> no, no, no. I have that address. We're at two minutes to go. That address right here. Uh, if I, so, do I give it so you can write him if you want. So I'm I'm going in my uh, my screenshots and here's here's the address I believe it's right I'm not sure I think I have it here the letter uh, here's the letter to Doc I think it's right here maybe oh <laughs> this is the this is the letter to Doctor Allen uh, maybe maybe the address is here. Uh, but listen, so if you want to come into the, to the website or Doc then posted it on Facebook notifications, 
Uh, as soon as I get down, down here, uh, I'll try to get a post that, that, that address here. I, I'm sure that Doc sent it to me, but I don't see it here yet. Uh, and it's on Facebook, the notifications. Uh, and, and, uh, okay, so uh, I was thinking that maybe I saved it. That's another That's another thing you can do for from here. When you're coordinating and doing this stuff, you can go to your home page and, and anything that I find that's really important, uh, I go to my home page and I've saved it. And I don't see it here. And, uh, oh. So listen, uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll make it a point to post that and get that. Or Dr. Allen, he's been posting it on Facebook and try to get it to the page and get the, all this on the calendar. Uh, we inspire folks to use the calendar, uh, and uh, it's all come together now. And and the failed war on our sacred cannabis medicine. Thank you all today. Uh, Nick Moran. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. And, 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 and love you, Joe. Love the coffee party. Mary, Liz, all y'all. Love you guys. Right. And believe me, they all thank Joel and the Human Solution for coming for them. Uh, they will tell you, on the other hand, uh, might have taken the deal. And we always say when we talk about attorneys, uh, there's no one like Joseph Tully. Uh, if you have a case like this, I almost wish we could get uh, uh, Tully. Uh, he's worth it. And, uh, even even Nick Moran will tell you now. If he'd have known before, he wouldn't have spent seventeen five on another attorney, uh, this, uh, attorney scarf that actually admitted he didn't know much about cannabis cases. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so yeah, Nick Moran ended up getting Tolly and thank his mom for helping him. Uh, and uh, uh, so they're very grateful for court support and a human solution. Uh, the human solution, uh, add another word, is really the humane human solution. Uh, it will all, it will be forever, even if we find the end prohibition. They're already over-regulating, taxing us to death. Okay, well, thank you all today. And uh, as my wife said, Donna said, then, don't forget to breathe. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for being here. And thank uh, everybody for making this show possible. And thank Noncompliant Mary for not only screening but covering uh, my voice a bit. And, uh, of course, want to thank uh, Lisa Wooldridge for videotaping the show and uh, doing the whole social networking thing. And. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.